Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Choose Strong Podcast. I'm your host, Sally McRae. Join with me today is... Mr. Eddie McRae. Eddie McRae. What is up, my main man? How are you today? Doing very well. How are you? I'm great. We have a lot to get through today, so I'm just going to dive straight in and first acknowledge our new listeners. Uh, You and I have noticed in the past month that we have gotten a nice large group of new listeners. So if you are a brand new listener, if you're brand new to the Choose Strong community, uh, we first just want to thank you for being here. Thank you for downloading uh, this episode. We appreciate in advance all the reviews and comments, um, any feedback we get, which we are we're going to share a little bit of that um, yeah. here in just a minute. But our tagline is strong body, strong mind, strong love. And if you want to join our Facebook page, there is a whole community, thousands of people on there where we are encouraging each other to choose strong in every area of our life. Lots to talk about running and fitness um, and just everyday real life situations because we like to keep it real here. And if you are in a place in your life where you feel like you want to be a part part of something, be a part of a community. You're looking to make some new friends or just connect with people online. I mean, I think I had said this before in another podcast, uh, we are finding that people are making friends in our online community and they're meeting each other at races, which is so cool. So uh, we hope that you know you are always welcome here and that Eddie and I, uh, we are always cheering for you in whatever it is that you're doing because we like to use running as the metaphor to life and all your endeavors. Uh, So you don't need to be signed up for races. This isn't a running news podcast. It really is about real life situations and Eddie and I just love to share our stories with you and and the things that we've learned along the way. So Ed, do you want to just give a few Shout outs to people that have uh, sent in some, give some, shout some nice outs. reviews. Yeah. yeah. I'll give a shout out right now to Rebecca. <laughs> I'm going to give Rebecca a little shout out because she sent in recently a nice review. I'm going to read it. It says, well, the title of her review says, it feels like I found my new friend and guide. And I thought she was talking about me, but, it don't, but <laughs> as I'm reading this, it's definitely not. It says, I've only just found this amazing podcast and I'm already hooked. Feels like Sally is just with me now whenever I'm listening or not. I just ran my second 50-mile race and felt like she was guiding me the whole time because her powerful words stayed with me all day. She also has an amazing ability to make these running stories so applicable to everyday life. So whether you're a runner or you're someone who's looking for a friend to support the ups and downs of your life, I think you're going to love this podcast. That is an incredibly thoughtful, heartfelt review. Thank you so much. It has occurred to me, Eddie, I actually need to share this. When I was at Western States, uh, I've, I've been to a lot of races this year outside of my racing. So I went to Western States. I paced in Crude Hella. We did a podcast on that one. You need to check that out. It's a great episode. Um, I went to Leadville, paced uh, or crude my good friend, Adam did um, a book signing and an appearance there as well, and then went to UTMB. And then most recently, just got back from Mammoth Trail Fest. Uh, incredible. I was out on the course for all of these races. Every single race, runners were coming into the aid station 
and they would point to their headphones and say, I'm listening to your podcast right now. I'm listening to you right now. So cool. And I would just start cracking up because I'm like, dude, that's so awesome that instead of music, people are listening to our episodes. Yeah, and awesome. I think the second most hilarious thing that you and I talk about often are all the messages we get from people who say that mid run or in the middle of a race, they are busting up laughing Oh yeah, uh, because they're listening to our podcast. And they always say, I must look crazy to strangers around me. So we just want you to know that these kind of interactions, we get so much joy out of that because we really do feel like we're creating this really cool community and people are connecting with us in a real way. But most importantly, I know that for you, Eddie, too, we have just been feeling fulfilled in our job, in what we have created, because we do hope to to encourage people, mm-hmm. to put a smile on people's faces, to make them feel like that they are okay no matter what season they're in. So if they're in a season of struggle and and just kind of feeling down or they're really pursuing a dream, they're feeling good, wherever they are in, in their journey, it's neat to know that we get to be a part of that and people are finding encouragement and hope and strength from the content we're putting out. So keep sharing with us because it, it definitely inspires us to, to keep going too. Yeah, yeah. Here's another one that actually was kind of talking about what you just talked about. This one's titled Laughs and Tears by Cat Blue Moon. <laughs> I've never been choked up and teared up so much while listening to a podcast. You carried me through many long runs and moments when I wanted to give up. I smiled and laughed often and definitely cried too. You're such an inspiration, of course, as a runner, but most definitely as a human. Thank you, Sally, for sharing your story and opening your heart. Mm, I really appreciate that. That's going in. Yeah. Gosh, it just fe- it, it feels so good too when we can find people, we can find a community where we can just be real. Yeah. And I'm going to share a very real story that happened to me on my trip to Austin. In fact, Eddie and I, um, before I dive into the story, and the reason why I want to share this is literally at 1.30 in the morning, Eddie and I are texting. I'm on the side of the road (laughs) at a gas station in Austin, and he is laughing at my situation, which I am not feeling is hilarious, but I did have this moment in my mind. I was like, I can't wait to share this story on our podcast because it's so unreal, but also so real and probably something that so many people relate to. So we are in the midst of a very busy season. I'd say from June to October is my busiest season of the entire year. I'm racing a lot. I'm traveling. I'm doing appearances. I'd say that the in in the last few years, all those things have, have increased significantly. And I'm traveling almost every single week. But then it hits, you know, November, December, and it's like off season for me and I am home. Uh, it's much quieter. So right now, I am in a very busy time. And I have been traveling nonstop, um, more specifically just in the last eight weeks. And here we are, Today, as we are recording this podcast, I am 10 days out from Moab. I've just gotten back from Austin and I'm leaving for Northern Arizona to take Mackenzie on a recruiting trip to NAU. 
We are leaving in two days for that. We're releasing a film while I'm at NAU. The Tahoe 200 film will be releasing on my YouTube channel. Yeah, this Friday night, October 6th. So we are in the middle of of all of that, all the stuff that comes with releasing a film. Then when we get back from NAU, I'm home for a couple days to pack up. And then Eddie, you and I are flying to Utah to yep. race Moab 240. So um, we'll get into the more, the bigger question on this that somebody actually sent in about the traveling and, and maintaining uh, the schedule that I do while racing and living a real life. But I do want to share this story because I think it'll both make you laugh and maybe you'll relate to it. And I'd love to hear your thoughts or comments or maybe a story that uh, that you've had. We've all had crazy travel stories and they usually start in the airport. So this started on Sunday morning. I was supposed to fly to Austin on Sunday morning. And when I woke up, I sat on the couch. Eddie, you were you got up before me and you were drinking your coffee. And I come downstairs and I looked at you and I said, I don't want to fly out this morning. I really because I knew that um, Sunday was only a travel day, right? Mm -hmm. Like I wasn't doing any filming, no photo shoot, anything. So I was flying to Austin because I needed to do um, a project with BPN, Bear Performance Nutrition. We're we're releasing some new product. And so um, we're going to be making like little commercial, some social media stuff, photo shoot, film, all this um, excitement. But that wasn't happening till Monday. So when I woke up on Sunday, I was like, well, I don't want to fly out at 1030 and just sit in Austin and sit in a hotel room. And these are things that I've learned over the years. Uh, I try to gather up as many hours as I possibly can and spend them with my family. And I also wanted to get in some training. I know you and I talked about going to church that morning, too. So I, I open up my app, my Southwest Airline app. And I see that there's later flights and I'm like, okay, here's one. I can fly out like at five. I'll have a layover in, in Phoenix. No big deal. And I'll get into Austin at 11 o'clock at night. And I was like, that, that is totally cool. Like I'll just arrive, go to sleep, wake up and, and be there for the shoot. So I changed the flight. It was $6 to change. Super stoked about that. We go out to breakfast with our with our kids. I was able to do a run. Isaiah then went to work. I visited him at work, hung out with Isaiah. And then we went to church and we got to hang out that afternoon. And then Eddie, like we had a nice drive to the airport. The airport that we take is like 10 minutes away. And I'm like, this is like the best day. Like I'm feeling relaxed. I I was so happy I got this extra time. And I roll, you know, and it's just a carry on. So I'm not even checking bags. I got TSA. I fly right through security. Like, wow, this is like a great day. And I grab a coffee at Starbucks. I sit down. Like, I'm texting you. Like, by the time I had my my coffee and got to my gate, you were still driving home. That's how yeah. easy Orange County Airport is, right? Mm, like, yeah. you are, like, from the time you step into the security line to get to your gate, it, it's like five minutes. <laughs> it's amazing. So I'm just like... Happy as a clam, sitting at my gate, enjoying my coffee. I think I was like returning some some emails, catching up uh, on texts and things like that, things that I always need to be doing. And sometimes sitting at the gate is like a peaceful way. I'll throw on some headphones and some music. Like it was just so peaceful. And then 
<laughs> in Sally fashion. Yeah. You and I talk about this. Why does everything have to turn in to a drama story? Everything's so dramatic with you. <laughs> I don't want it to be. I'm not someone that is looking for that. So if you know anything about the air show, every year for the past, how many years, Ed? Because you turned into a four-year-old boy when this This, time of year. I'm actually going to let you explain it because the big smile on your face right now. (laughs) You're like, can we just talk about this the whole time? (laughs) I mean, the F-22 demo was amazing no what i don't oh. get is how as soon as a plane comes into view you know exactly what plane it is yeah and our kids are like wait pathetic. daddy how do you know that well <laughs> you and I, your dad well my, mr jim mccray is just as as obsessed with the air show as you are and it's super cute because both of you guys watched so how, how many days is it here i'm totally interrupting uh, you three Go on. I'm just going to pause. But no, yeah. I was just saying, I, the reason I think I know, my dad used to take me when I was like five oh. and I'm old now. So I've been going for a long time. So, but yeah, it's, it's three days. And? What? 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 Like, talk about it. It's here in Huntington oh, Beach in our hometown. Yeah. They said it's the, mo- it's the most attended air show in the nation because, I mean, it's, it's amazing. It's just right over the water. I think Florida has a big one too, but- uh, I could be wrong, but the uh, it's just epic. It's amazing. Yeah. So, but they they practice starting like Monday, so it's literally all week that they're flying around. So it's a, I didn't get much done this past week, but yeah. So what were we gonna and say? And what do they do to Huntington Beach? I mean, what they transform the beach into? Oh yeah, they it well now yeah since this is the seventh year they've really done an amazing job of making it like an experience and a huge event and. Um, it used to be just come up on the sand and, you know, you can sit there and watch them, but now they have like a general admission and, you know, they serve drinks and have merch and all sorts of stuff. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's quite a cool experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As Eddie said, um, his dad went down on Friday Yeah, and texted you. Yeah, he, he was like, "Yeah, like, do you want to come down and be down here from?" He's, "I'll be down here at ten, and I'll be here till four. And so you were like, uh, "I don't know if I'll go down that far," but you did. I, I went for <laughs> quite a few hours, for yeah. like three hour, four <laughs> hours with him, which I love because I think you and I, I was running on the trails that day, doing one of my final long runs for Moab, and I remember texting you and I said something like, "Hey, like maybe I'll meet you guys down there," and you said something along the lines of. Yeah, I'm probably gonna be down here for a, a little while with my dad. And I thought, you know what? When does your dad get to have that time span, that long of a duration of just mm. sitting next to you, his son? Yeah. Um, just the two of you. Mm-hmm. And I thought, that's so cool that you guys share that. I know you guys share golfing too. You guys love to golf together, which you're doing this Friday. Yes. Yeah. So I I love that. I love that that's the air show. But what ended up happening, bring it back to my story at Orange County Airport, mm-hmm. is it caused massive delays with all of the airlines. So I did note as soon as I got to the airport that all of the Southwest Airlines were all delayed, but mine wasn't. 
And I was so, I was like, best day ever is continuing. Like, I, didn't, I didn't realize that. Yeah, every single one. And and at the gate, they had said, yeah, it's because of the air show. So we also had an influx of visitors yeah. in Huntington, which we do at certain times of the year. Um, I know during the summer, we get over 500,000 tourists that hit our city. Um, so if you come here in the summer, that isn't exactly what Huntington Beach is like. <laughs> But anyway, so I get on the plane. Awesome seat. I think I was like three rows back. You know, Southwest is all about like choosing your seat. So I just chose my seat and I'm sitting there and waiting to take off and 10 minutes pass and then 20 minutes pass. We're still sitting at the gate. 45 minutes pass. And I look at my ticket and I realize, you know what? I have like a little over two hours layover in Arizona. So I'm going to be fine. Not stressed at all. And um, I don't really say anything. I don't think I say anything to you just yet. Mm -hmm. And then an hour passes and I text you and I'm like, hey, I'm still sitting at the gate. You're like, what? What are you still doing at the gate? And I was like, I don't know. And I looked out the window. I had a window seat and I can see that the entire wing, there's a big flap open, like right where the engine is. And I'm like, it's never a good sign. That's never a good sign. When you're supposed to be taking off and they're literally got the mechanics out there working on your plane. If you're afraid to fly, I'm not. But if you have that fear of flying, like even more so, you know, it's not going to be a good ride. (laughs) You're hoping they fix everything possible to make this the same flight. So an hour passes, an hour 20 passes, an hour 45 minutes pass. And I look at one of the flight attendants and I say, hey, I have a connecting flight to Austin. Do you think I'll be able to make it? She's like, I'm not sure. Then they start calling people off of the plane. Hey, anyone booking, anyone um, connecting to San Antonio, you guys need to get off. People connecting to Michigan, you guys need to get off. So all these people are getting off the plane. Now two hours have passed. I get a notification on my phone, and I'll talk about my phone here in a second. Get a notification on my phone. You have been rebooked to a flight that's at 8.50 p.m. So now I'm on a brand new flight that is several hours after my original connecting flight. I look at my phone and I realize I only have like 20% battery. And my phone needs to be replaced. Eddie's been encouraging me to replace it for the past few weeks. Haven't really been in town to do that. But at that point, did you pull out your uh, rechargeable? Uh, I forgot to bring battery? my. Oh. So this is my fault. Oh. All these things are my fault coming up. This is because of me. I did not bring a rechargeable battery with me which we have several because all of these 200 mile races, you have to carry a charge phone with you. And so we have invested in several slim, light, rechargeable batteries. So it'd be very easy for me to have one with me at all times, which I did not bring one. And of course, on the Southwest airplanes, there are no outlets. Most of the airlines are updated. Most of the planes that I fly, like when I travel, I don't really fly Southwest very much. And so- I wonder if Spirit has that. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. You'd probably have to pay an extra fee for it if they did. Mm -hmm. I think at this point, I was like, I need to preserve my battery. So after almost three hours, 
we finally roll out onto the runway. So this flight, you guys, by the way, was supposed to be 40 minutes. You it was look, a 40-minute flight. You look over out your window, see a bunch of duct tape on the, on the <laughs> wing. We're, we're good. Let's head out So now. after a lot of duct taping <laughs> and stapling, we are ready to go. <laughs> so we roll out. We take off and I'm I'm laughing to myself. I'm like, okay, I've sat on the runway for almost three hours for a 40-minute flight. And I think if you drive from Huntington Beach to Phoenix, it's four hours. Yeah. So I could have driven <laughs> to Phoenix to catch my flight. Um, yeah. So we get to Phoenix as we land. I'm now looking at my watch and thinking, oh my gosh, I don't think I'm going to make this flight either. And... I lean out again as as we're taxing. Oh no 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 no! I have to tell you this. Um, I this is before we land, so we start descending into Phoenix after forty minutes. Super happy to see that runway. You know, you kind of float above the city before you you know before you actually land. So we're we're getting lower and lower and lower. I can see the airport beneath us. I can see the runway. We're now dropping. We get to about a hundred feet. Maybe a little bit higher. I'm I'm probably saying this wrong, but we're right above the runway. We are we are ready to touch down. And I'm looking at my watch and I'm thinking, you know what? I have 40 minutes before my flight takes off. And if I can just run to the gate, I'm gonna be okay. I got this window. So I, I wasn't getting too nervous yet. 20 minutes, maybe I would be nervous. Right before we touch down, all of a sudden the pilot decides to pull back on the plane and we go shooting back up to 10,000 feet and everyone on the plane is like, no, like what is going on? So we wait for like two minutes and the pilot comes on over the intercom and says, sorry guys, uh, there was someone on the runway blocking where I needed to land. And I'm like, of course there was. Yeah. Of course there was. <laughs> so we then have to go back up. We... We leave the airport area. He has to do this big loop and try to land again. And I'm just praying, please have that runway be clear so that we can land. So we've added on all this time now. So now it's coming down. I think I have like 22 minutes. By the time we circle around, descend again, we then start taxing to the gate. And I'm like, okay, th at this time of the night, as you go further along in the day, more and more planes get delayed, right? Yeah. Like it's ideal to fly out early in the morning because there's less problems with flights being delayed. I'm now at that peak hour where lots of flights are delayed and I'm hoping that the flight that I need to catch is delayed. I'm like, maybe that one will be delayed. Yeah. My phone has 10% on it. I had turned it off because I also realized that I was an idiot and did not get my paper ticket. So my only hope, if I was going to make it to the, the first gate, time you've ever traveled, no, oh. I tra <laughs> I've taken like literally thousands of flights. So again, my fault. Um, so I was so relying on my my virtual ticket, but I knew that if I was going to make it, I couldn't say, "Hey, can I charge my phone really quick?" And I'll show you that I do have a ticket if this flight was leaving. So we land, we we get to the gate, and I now have, I think, nine minutes to get 
to get to my next flight. And of course, when I get off in the terminal, it's not right there. Like a lot of times, like Southwest Airlines, you'll get off and like you can walk down just two gates. Yeah. You know, you walk a hundred yards and, and it, you're, you're at your next flight because you're in that terminal. No, not this one. I had to run to the other side of the airport and I had a yellow hard suitcase, carry on suitcase and a backpack. Thankfully I was wearing running shoes and shorts. Um, and I was like number 15, 16 to get off the plane. I don't know how anyone else, if anyone else was on that plane with me that needed to connect to Austin was able to make it because I picked up my suitcase, no wheels and ran with my suitcase with both holding it with both arms as fast as I could to the other side of the airport. I was the last person on the plane. I was breathing like a racehorse, sweating. <laughs> and of course, thankfully, my by the time I get there too, like my phone now is at 6%. I was able to scan my ticket. But now as I'm getting on the plane, I turn off my phone again because I was like, oh my gosh, I need to preserve any little bit that I can. But then I, I really was looking forward to getting to the airport and just charging my phone there, charging it in my rental car. I was like, oh, I'll just charge it in my rental car. Yeah. So I didn't have time to charge it at the gate because I had to sprint. I was able to make that flight. Very grateful for that. I get on the plane. We're now heading to Austin. I open up my laptop. I booked my car right then and there for Hertz. I get into Austin. Austin's a pretty cool airport, easy in and out. It is now 1 a.m., now, I was supposed to get in a couple hours earlier than that. Uh, remember, Texas is a couple hours ahead of us. Mm-hmm. So I go up to the Hertz counter and the guy sitting there was like, you know, I was just about to leave. I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so glad you didn't leave. Thank you for being here. He's like, yeah, I heard a bunch of flights were really late. So they told me I have to stay for 30 more minutes. And I was like, oh, awesome. So he gives me my car keys. We get all that taken care of. And I get in the car. And I plug my phone in and right away I can see that it's charging. But have you ever been in a rental car where the electronics just don't work, where it like charges and then falls out of charge, charges, falls out of charge, or you're trying to like connect your phone Bluetooth to the system and it's not working like Apple CarPlay is working for a little bit and then it turns off. Well, I had been booked in a hotel that was 30 minutes away from the airport we were filming in Austin, but I was I was booked for Round Rock, which is really close to the BPN headquarters. And I'm looking up directions on my phone and I'm seeing that my charger is not connecting with the car. So my phone is not charging. And I have a 30 minute drive in in to a hotel. I've stayed at this hotel one time, but I have not memorized all of the streets yeah. and directions to take to get there. And so I am getting a little nervous. And at this point, I then text you and I let you know what's going on. You think it's funny because um, this is just a normal everyday life for me. And um, I don't think it's funny. And I say, I'm going to just stop and find a gas station. So I stopped at a gas station, probably the worst gas station I could possibly stop at, but at this at this time, my phone now has turned off, so I have no idea where to go. I stop at a gas station that's right across from downtown Austin's, like it's it's under the freeway, 
And this is where a lot of people live. And there's a lot of people walking around on the street, a lot of people hanging out at this gas station. The gas station at now it's 1.30 in the morning. At 1.30 in the morning, of course, is going to lock its doors. Any gas station would. Yeah. I can see there's a gentleman in there. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm walking out of my car now. So I park my car and I have my charger in my hand. I have my cell phone in my hand. And I'm walking up to the door, still in my split shorts. I'm wearing black split shorts, a um, black BPN shirt, and running shoes at 1.30 in the morning. My hair's up in a ponytail. And I'm thinking, I kind of am going to sound like a lunatic. What am I going to say to this guy? Hi, can I charge my phone? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I knock on the door and I get this guy's attention And he opens the door and he just lets me in. I was like, oh, nice. Like he let me in and he closed the door behind him. And I said, listen, I know this is going to sound crazy, but may I please charge my phone for five minutes? I'm from out of town and I just need to get to the airport and my phone is not charging in my car. And he looks me square in the eyes and he says, no charging. Get out of (laughs) here. And I say, no, but you like, please, can you please help me? And then I'm looking around outside at all the people hanging out at the gas station. And I'm like, I bet he hears this all the time. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Like, please let me just charge for five minutes. Yeah. And he's probably had some trouble. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, I'm not going to convince this guy. Like, there's not going to be any empathy or compassion. And, but I'm, I'm desperate. I'm like, I don't know where I'm going. Like, this is so ridiculous. He opens up the door. And he just is like, no charging. And is basically like, get out of my store. Yeah. And I then say, are you serious? And he then points me to the ice machine, like those big ice makers, you know, that are outside of gas station stores. Mm-hmm. And he's like, there's a charger back there. You can use that one. And I'm like, thank you so much. <laughs> so he then locks the door. I'm standing outside with my cell phone and my cord. I go over to this massive, filthy ice machine, and it has one of those flaps covering the outlets. You know, I I, oh, I yeah. flip that up. I plug in my phone, and I'm standing next to a trash can, staring out into the darkness at 1.30 in the morning, charging my phone. And I start laughing. I'm like... This is unreal. Like, how is this is this happening right now? But but one thing I know to do in these situations is to just be totally calm because it's easy to let your mind kind of wander and think of all the the bad things that, that can happen or just like this stinks, like kind of like, dude, I'm so, like, I even thought to myself, I think I had told you by the time I was able to get back in the car and call you, I was like, the day started off so awesome. Like we were having the best day, like, and it's turned into a nightmare, a full on nightmare. (laughs) But what I do know is that staying positive and kind of looking at the bright side in those situations is so helpful. So one, I knew that as soon as the sun would rise as soon as coffee houses started opening, which was going to be in just a matter of four hours. I was like, you know what? I got a nice rental car. If I need to go sleep in my car somewhere, it's not a big deal. I'll charge my phone. I know that the shoe is just right around here anyway. I'm a trail runner. I go and run in the middle of the dark in the mountains and sleep on rocks. I can sleep in a comfortable car. So trying to just stay positive in that. 
I charge my phone to 15%. I open up the directions and I, I take a screenshot of the directions and start to memorize them. And I kind of break down like all the, okay, I need I know I need to stay on the 35. This is the main road that I'm getting off of. Um, the, the, I know the hotel is only a mile and a half off the freeway, so that's going to be really easy. Even if I need to find it or stop and ask somebody, that will be very easy. Mm-hmm. It's an embassy suites. like So I started like kind of going into that mode. Like, How can I solve this if I don't have my phone? And I'm laughing because I'm like, there was a time in our life when we could get around places yeah. without having a smartphone. Do you remember that? Yeah. Was it's it too when, long ago? When we had to print off like eight, eight sheets of paper <laughs> Map for <quest>. MapQuest. <laughs> And remember, you'd write the re- the letter R and circle it for right turn. Yeah, right. The letter term. L for left turn, and you would circle, put a circle around those letters. <laughs> good old days, the good old days. Yeah, so I, I resorted back to that. So I, Eddie, I, I finally get on the freeway, and Eddie calls me, and I'm, I'm complaining for a little bit, but, but then like so grateful that I was on the way. Also, my call time was at nine, which is so rare. Most call times when I'm doing film. And photo shoots are always like five thirty, six o'clock in the morning. Mm. They're long days. And these guys, thankfully, made the shoot start at nine. So I get to the hotel and I had asked Eddie, I was like, can you please call the hotel and let them know I'm coming? Because some hotels, you can't check in that late right. because a new day starts and something in the system kind of changes too. So you called the hotel attendant. And when I got to the hotel, all the doors were locked. Like I had to be let in. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I stepped in, she's like, are you Sally? And I was like, oh, that was like the best thing ever to know that she was expecting me. And I get to the hotel and I think I'm able to fall. I think I fall asleep like at three, wake up at, at, at 7, 7.30, start getting ready for the shoot. And then I have like a 30 minute drive back, back into Austin for the shoot. But all that to say, these real life situations that I I get to encounter on my travels, they're fun, right? This is a real life situation that we can all relate to in some capacity. I can look back and laugh in the middle of it, was not laughing, but uh, now I'm back home. So It is interesting though that these situations always seem to happen to you. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm never surprised when I get a text. I'm or sorry, call. I put diesel into a rental car in Switzerland at okay. midnight. That was okay. a long yeah. time ago. Okay, you guys need to go ago. back and listen to that podcast. So, yeah. Well, <laughs> you were part of that, so maybe it's because you were there. <laughs> Something always happens when you're there. So, <laughs> just saying. Are there any other reviews you wanted to read? We're still at the intro part. This is going to be another really long podcast. I hope those of you that are out for a run or if you're actually racing right now, I hope you are ready for a nice, solid, long podcast. That was an intro? That was the intro. That was the intro. (laughs) I don't have any more reviews that I pulled up, so I just got those two. Yeah, so we um, are excited to announce that we will be giving away 10 more Choose Strong yellow Nike Trail hats. Now, these hats, we have said several times, these will eventually be for sale on our website, which is being redone right now. Um, We also have to... There's a few things that we have to do as far as ordering these hats, the different colors, and then sending them to the shipping house. 
there's a lot of moving parts. So, and with all of our projects in racing, we just have not been able to hunker down on the hat, but we are hoping that um, it will be available for the holidays. Um, Eddie, I don't think a day passes that between you and I, we get at least 10 requests for that hat. So um, we got to make sure that it's well stocked on the site when it is set to release. But can you share with the audience how they can go about winning a Choose Strong yellow Nike trail hat? Yeah, so it, we're going to keep it simple. Let's just uh, if, make sure you're following the Choose Strong podcast Instagram and uh, we'll put up a post uh, about the hat and you can tag a friend and uh, we're going to choose 10 people. Mm-hmm. Pretty simple. Yeah, that's great. Yes. Yeah, so go on the Instagram, make sure you are following it. If you're already following it, fantastic. Tag how many people is, is it how many people you tag? Do you get more entries? No, just tag a friend. Yeah. It's, tag a friend. Okay. And then we, it's going to last a week. Yeah, we'll do so it in a week. Yeah. We will start this when the day that this podcast drops. And yeah. then for the following seven days, follow our Instagram account, Choose Strong Podcast, tag a friend for the giveaway. And then we are just going to randomly select 10 people from that list. Yep. Boom. Boom. There it is. All right. So this podcast episode, what, what do we, uh, Q&A kind of? style again? It's a little bit of a Q&A, but we have narrowed it down to really focusing on running your first ultra. Mm. And we're going to talk about all things that encompass that. So it isn't just about like shoes and a watch and, you know, heart rate training. We want to talk about all the real things that go into running an ultra. Now, what we have seen when Eddie and I both put out a call for questions, we said, ask us anything. A lot of the responses have to do with this topic. And so we thought it would be a great way to kind of narrow down some of the the most important things about running your first ultra, not only from um, the years and years that I have done it, but also from just a, a coaching perspective too, having coached so many people over the years in running their first ultra, giving talks um, and, and, you know, being on podcasts about this, I feel like we have some really good information to share with our listeners today. But as is with everything that we share, I believe that a lot of these tips can be applied to any big goal. So when I think of an ultra, I'm like, that's a big distance. It's a big undertaking. It's a lot of training, but I feel it's the same way if you wanted to change careers, you know, maybe you're a teacher and you're like, I really want to be a nurse. And so what is that going to take? I mean, that's a lot of schooling. Um, that's a lot of time and energy to go back to school. I mean, that's that can be very daunting. And so I feel like some of the things that we're going to be sharing today really are about tackling any big goal. But of course, the tips will be very specific too to racing and, and stuff that you need. But somebody asked me specifically yesterday when I did the post about the next three trips. So I said I was going to Austin, Arizona, and Utah, all within 11 days. And the question that came in was, how are you handling training while doing all of this traveling? Because this person said, you know, I go on one trip and I'm exhausted. And so I don't understand how you can train for a 200 mile race when you're traveling every single week as well as being a mom and running a business and doing appearances and all of these things. And I thought that's a great question. 
And I would love to speak about that. So um, we're just going to dive in with our Q&A that has everything to do with living a real life while pursuing goals, but also be very specific about training for your first ultra. Before we answer that question, why don't we talk a little bit about kind of your day-to-day training, day-to-day life, how you fit everything in like without traveling? Because, you know, you, yeah, you're a professional, but you definitely, I don't know much about a lot of the professionals, uh, (laughs) but I can't imagine them doing uh, a lot of what you do. I think, well, I think the impression is right where pros, that's kind of all they, they do. They train, they recover, and they do it the next day and that, and looking forward to a race, right? So uh, that's definitely not your schedule. <laughs> you have a couple other things going on in between all that. But uh, yeah, let's uh, maybe dive in a little bit more on like what your day-to-day stuff is as well as how you fit all your training in. <laughs> yeah, that's a good, that is a good point. Actually, before I I signed with Nike, um, and even like the first year, I remember having a little bit of, bit of frustration like that. I don't have all the time in the world to train. And part of it was being pulled because I was like, I, I, I want to focus and be the best mom that I can be. Yeah, the kids were really young. We're really little. Yeah. And so being all in 110% on just training, just my recovery, just sleep. And I would go as far as say too, like there you make really big sacrifices in other areas in your life to be like that. When I signed, I mean, it wasn't very popular or even common that mothers of young children were newly signed yeah. pros. Like yeah. you see this more, a lot of times they're already a professional and then maybe several years in they'll have a kid or they're they're done racing professionally and then they'll have children. So it was a very foreign concept to me. I also felt like when I signed too, it wasn't like you and I were <laughs> making all this money. Mm-hmm. I had to work. And yeah. I, I still feel like that. I love working. I love creating. I really enjoy what I do. And at that time I was running a fitness business you were working like 60, 70 hours a week in the church. Our lives were, were very busy and and we both needed to be bringing in an income, especially living here in Southern California. It's mm-hmm. really hard to survive on one income and we weren't doing anything in our careers that was making like a ton of money. Right. And so I think I was also aware of that, that people that had more money, like they had nannies and they had, you know, people coming every week, cleaning their house and like getting childcare was just easy for them. And they had, or they had a ton of help from family. And I would be a little frustrated by that. So I didn't want to be frustrated. (laughs) I didn't want to be like this disgruntled athlete. And I just decided to do things Differently. And I think too, a lot of how I do stuff today definitely comes from what I learned as a kid growing up. Losing my mom, as horrible and painful as that was, taught me so much about the values and importance of a human life and what really matters. And I can say today that's one of the reasons why I do so much in addition to my racing because I know what is lasting and true. And I don't want to be known as an athlete that only smiles for the camera and puts up happy photos for social media. 
but yet my real life is locked away. My real life is, you know, 1000% only focused on me. And I actually am not com- connecting with people around me. I actually don't spend time with friends and, and really don't have much community or share much about my life, yeah. you know, and there is definitely across all types of sports, you see pro athletes that it is just 100% self-focused and that's what it takes to be the best, you know, at least in their eyes, that's, that's Mm -hmm. what it is. But having lost so much in my life, having had a lot of years being without a lot, I don't want that. I don't, it's not worth it to me. And I'm okay showing up to a start line, being at a little bit less rested, being a little bit less than everyone else, because I chose to give my energy and my time to things that are lasting, things that I love, things that matter. And, you know, life genuinely is about the relationships. It's the relationships we build. It's, um, that's how you're going to be remembered the way that you made people feel the impact you you left in their life. And that isn't has nothing to do with how many followers you have or whether or not you're famous or if you have all these awards. I want to know that my kids believed and understood and and you too, Eddie, that you were loved and that you mattered, that you were the most valuable thing in my life. I think that you know, that's a, a, a full life. Mm-hmm. And same with, you know, friends and, ex- and extended family. I mean, I, I think it's, it's difficult, um, especially in this season right now, you and I have conversations about this all the time. Like I really am looking forward to my off season. There's always a point towards the end of my season where I'm like, dude, I really miss like my friends. I miss, yeah. um, just being home for a week straight and being on my schedule. But what I'm doing is like, it genuinely is stuff that I love so much. It really is my passion. And I think think that every career, um, it doesn't matter what the career is there. You have hard seasons. I think of like our buddy, Kevin, who does taxes, like he has a couple months that it's so busy and crazy and, you know, he's got six kids, Yeah. but it's like, we all grind for certain parts during the year where things get intense or they get mundane or they get boring. There's no perfect path or career in life. Not every single day is amazing and, and perfectly balanced. And I'm, I'm very much okay with that. And that's always what I communicate both to the kids and and family is like, let me just get through like these next like few weeks and I'll be able to spend, you know, more, more time doing these other things. But for now, I've just, I've learned that in order to keep any type of, of balance, it is being structured and consistent and disciplined with, with my time. But also I really want a life that's, that's real. And I want to, I want to relate with people around me. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be someone that's like so out of touch with the world around me because I've completely walled up my whole life with just getting on the mountain every single day and just train, 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 train. I tried that, you know, especially when I was a lot younger, when I was pursuing soccer, it's really easy just to be all in on stuff that, that, you know, will eventually fade away. Yeah, I think your original question was sharing what a real everyday week, I should say week, because week to week things change. And you're with me in a lot of this stuff. So I I feel like you need to kind of, you need to chime in what what life looks like for us. Yeah. So I'll, I'll just start and say my training every day 
is it happens at different times. Most days of the week, right now it's it's funky because I'm in a taper right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm only 10 days out from Tahoe. So everything's like pretty short. Moab, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Moab. Sorry, Tahoe 200 films coming out. Um, I'm 10 days out from Moab 240. And so I'm in a taper phase. So that means I'm just doing one workout a day. I usually do two. Mm-hmm. I usually try to get up some sometime around five o'clock. And sometimes that'll be... A first workout. Sometimes I just get up and do stuff around the house or sit on the couch with you and we chat about work that mm-hmm. needs to be done that day. Um, we'll get coffee. A, a big thing, we have our meetings on our feet. Like before this, we had an hour meeting. We went walking along the beach. We walked a couple miles and we just chat. Yeah. Um, so that's a really like great way to start the day. I love that too because we are very invested in our children. Our kids are used to waking up in the morning and always having both of us there or one of us there. And, you know, we're sitting around, you're, we're having our coffee, the kids are making breakfast and we're talking about, you know, what's going to go on for that day. Um, who has practice, who has appointments, what social events are going on, what tests and quizzes that they're studying for or projects. Yeah. We, we live, very much for the family at, at at the start of the day. So there might be a short workout in there. So I might go to the gym and then come back before um, the kids go to school. If it's a longer session, sometimes Eddie will make sure that they're out the door. I mean, Mackenzie drives now too. We're just in a different yeah. season in our life. So that's, that's most mornings of the weekday. And then um, I guess you can kind of share every day looks a little different, but what are like the main focuses in addition to the training? This is what we're doing. Yeah, so I mean the training obviously you're you're gone out twice a day mm-hmm. for the most part and so working around uh that you you know the two big focuses are your app trying to get a workout in so planning a workout um looking through what people are you know wanting and what's a need and then planning it out then filming it and then editing it and uploading it researching, um, researching I do a lot it. of research for that one of my favorite feedbacks that I get from people in the app is thank you for thoughtfully coaching and breaking this down and making it easy to follow. Like that, that's yeah. a really big deal to me. I think it's very thorough. Yeah. It's very thorough. Like if you're in my app, any workout that you do, like I'm explaining it, it makes sense. Cause there's a lot of the playbook platform has a lot of trainers in there. There's some influencer trainers that, that don't have certifications, but they look amazing in their, in their workout clothes and they're very, very fit. And I think with social media today, it's very easy just to copy and paste everything from people that actually have certifications, right? And yeah, so totally. it's so easy to to not know who actually has authority to, to, to coach and to train people and who doesn't. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like for me, I spent so many years getting certified and fine tuning and researching like what works. I have this responsibility to, to really want to explain things. So because of that, the workouts do take a little longer for me to curate, um, to structure. And so, yeah, if we have a shoot day, I mean, that's taking several hours. So we're researching the exercises we're filming. You, you are the one creating the whole, the backdrop, you know, you're putting up the lights and setting up our gym. And so then we edit all that. Then we have to upload it onto the platform. We do some marketing around that. Um, Yeah. So that can take up a whole afternoon. 
I'd say that, you know, on the flip side, Eddie and I do work together, but Eddie does a lot of things that I just don't do that I'm not involved in. So you do a lot of communications. You're the one that works on all my contracts, um, all my bookings, appearances. If I'm going to speak or I'm traveling, you take care of all of that. Any negotiations, you handle that. Mm-hmm. And then everything that's related to the podcast, audio, visual, producing, editing, yeah, we have a lot of hours where I have no idea what you're doing because it's you wear like several different hats um, in, in the company. So I do a lot of the creative stuff, like coming up with the ideas, yeah, formulating like social media stuff, the writing, workouts. And then when we do podcasts, so um, we usually do a, a podcast that'll take us a couple hours. Um, we also have a YouTube channel. So there's always, I, I feel like, a big piece that we weren't planning on is just the traffic. Yeah. People mean so much to us. So you and I are connecting with the community. We, we spend a few hours a day mm-hmm. simply connecting with people. We're returning messages and comments and emails, making sure that, yeah, that, that that's consistent about yeah. us because we, we really do care about the people that, that are in our community. Yeah. Well, and then there's, there's <clears throat> meetings that, you know, either we have or with other people too, right? Where we're, planning out YouTube stuff or planning out the next film or mm-hmm. talking about the next film or doing stuff with the next film. Like there's yeah. always film stuff. There's always, you know, talking back and That's forth. That's a lot with- of work that I didn't realize before, you know, creating a film, you know, Drew does all the, and Tyler do all, you know, they're, they're doing the filming. Drew does all like the editing and the producing and everything. But sometimes we have to do meetings talking about the direction and the messaging of that and the branding of it. That's, I mean, the other day we were on the phone for like an hour and a half with him. And then it's like, we have to do interviews and yeah, we have to approve things. So we're constantly like editing. And I feel content creation, if you're going to do it right, and it's, it's, it's going to be high quality, it takes a lot of time. And then we have the management of everything surrounding the book. Yeah. And I feel like that is probably why I say no, no two weeks are the same, but Every week is jam packed with stuff. Like when we were releasing the book, there's a lot of marketing go around. There was still a lot of like editing and things that I had to check in and meetings that I was having before it was launching. And then we decided to do an audiobook. Yeah. So then it was like three weeks of being in the studio. And like that was exhausting yeah. me to my core. Like if you haven't checked out my audiobook, I do read it. Eddie reads the. Um, reviews. The, Eddie, no, Eddie, right? you you're in the audiobook too. You read the opening, oh oh the opening um, the forward. Yeah, the yeah. forward by Nick Bear. Yeah, yeah. What is important to me in my everyday life is being being present, being here for the kids. You know, we sit down to eat dinner most nights of the week together, um, and I've loved that since the time the kids were little. Mm-hmm. That's always been really important that we share meals together. So no, the typical professional athlete life is not, yeah, I don't, I don't do that. I do have to be very specific and disciplined about my time frame in which I'm training. So it's usually I, I do it when the kids don't need me, which is something that I adopted when the kids were still babies. So it was getting up at four or is training at 10 p.m. at night. Um, once they started going to preschool, you know, preschool is only like two or three hours. It was like that was my time to train. And then now that both the kids are in high school, I do have longer chunks of time. And now that Mackenzie drives and they're so social with sports, seasons change. And so learning to bend 
and um, be flexible with the with the seasons changing and knowing I have more time to do other things, but I'm also pulled in other directions too. I mean, our kids need us in different ways. Yeah. It sometimes can be insanely exhausting in the best way, but um, as they grow emotionally and they're making decisions that are actually impacting their entire life. So like right now, these recruiting trips, yeah. wow, for Mackenzie, she, every trip that she is taking is out of state. She's not going to college in California, which is very hard mm, for yep. both of us to accept because we love our kids so much and we can't imagine them not being at home. But even the recruiting chips are are taking, you know, they definitely have, have taken their toll on us and even on, yeah. on Mackenzie. So, definitely, yeah. um, but at the end of the day, the, the, the bright side in all of this the encouragement that I want to give to you in sharing, um, getting really vulnerable here about the ins and outs of my life is this. We get to choose how we respond, how we react to everything in life. And I do think that it's easy to say most days of our life that we are too busy, mm-hmm. that this is not the right season, that maybe later or that was just never meant to be. And, and we say those things because of time or because we look at how other people have accomplished a goal or we look at how other people are doing things and it seems to be working for them and they seem to be accomplishing everything. And, and so I just have to do it, you know, like they do. Listen, there is nothing new under the sun. All of these self-help books, the entrepreneurs, these top podcasters that are telling you how to accomplish a goal. I mean, we talked a lot about it here too. We're all kind of saying the same things. All the same things have been said for years and decades and decades. I mean, you can go back to like Napoleon Hill and, you know, who's Brian Tracy, like some of these like original, uh, motivational, inspirational, the Tony Robbins all type guys. And like, there's no new messaging it does come down to consistency. Consistently chipping away at your goals means showing up every day and doing something. In some days, you will have only 10 minutes, but that matters because you are training yourself to be consistent. Other days, you're going to have five hours. And when you understand that there is no perfect time, situation, family, career, or path, when you understand that perfection is not supposed to be a part of the journey, we're not trying to achieve perfection. We're trying to achieve the best version of ourself. We're trying to reach for that finish line and it's going to be messy. It's going to get, it's, it's going to be stormy weather out there. The road is going to get a little rocky and uneven at times. But if you understand that you're just consistently moving forward, consistently chipping away, and you are carving out your own story, your own path with your own unique situation, you're going to find more enjoyment and fulfillment in that. And for me, yes, I could be 100% just fully supported by my sponsors and I could be just training day in, day out, but I choose not to do that. My life's passion, what I genuinely love, I love community. I love relationships. I love connecting with people and encouraging them and being a part of other people's journey in that way. I feel like what I'm doing is what I was born to do and running is just the shiny object. Running is also a passion of mine, but 
I'll tell you what, I'm not going to be racing and training at this level for the rest of my life, but I do hope that I can make an impact even on one person's life until my very last breath. And I think that's something that we can all do no matter our profession, no matter what it is that we're doing. We can all build relationships and build community and connect and love and encourage people around us. And I just feel like that's the fulfilling space to be. So everything that you and I are doing, Eddie, fits that. that that's our, our mission. Yeah. You know, strong mind, strong body, strong love. We're putting all all that out there and funneling it into people, hoping to encourage other people. I mean, the other beautiful piece of feedback that you and I have gotten is when people say, I've been listening to your podcast. I've been eating up the YouTube stuff and, and my posts. You know, I write a lot of a little bit more heartfelt, poetic type posts on, on my Instagram at times. And people saying, this has gotten me through a really dark place. Mm-hmm. This has helped me believe in myself again. I decided to go for a goal again, or you have no idea how much this like joy and laughter this has brought my life. Awesome. Mm-hmm. That, that there's nothing more fulfilling than that. Yeah. That's yeah. I feel like you do a, a, you have done a really good job of that. Like ever since the kids have been young, just being transparent and relatable and, but also going out and, you know, tackling big goals and yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, you've been great too. And I I can never take full credit for that because if I didn't have you by my side, I know it would have been much more difficult, not as fulfilling. I mean, it's so fun doing it with you, but I feel like I'm I'm able and and stronger because of you. Yeah. And I know not everyone has that. So there's a lot of people listening that that, you know, and we we get this. A lot people mm-hmm. that want to feel that support or just feel like they're really alone. And that's another reason why we created this community because we want to encourage those people. You're not alone. Eddie and I and this community of thousands and thousands of people are rooting for you and you belong here. Yeah. And you're going to have seasons where you feel that way. Um, before I met Eddie, if you have read my book, there was a side of me that was insanely alone that felt very isolated and... um I had a lot of difficult years, many, many, many years. So I empathize in the deepest way with people who feel that, even if it's just like going after a goal that they want to do and they don't feel supported, but just in everyday life, if you feel alone or you don't feel seen or you don't feel understood, keep going and know that you're not alone in that. It can feel that way in a physical sense in your immediate community or in your neighborhood or in your workplace or even in your family. But trust me, you are not alone. You are loved and your life is full of purpose. And the goals and the passions that you have deep in your heart are things that you have loved since you're a kid and you're still pursuing, um, or that big scary goal that you think about, but maybe haven't started yet, or maybe you're in the middle of it. It's, it's there for a reason. Those desires and and even the things that you're naturally just good at, they're there for a reason. So Eddie and I just want to encourage you, keep 
going. Keep pursuing those things. Keep believing in your journey. Keep believing in the work of your hands. It is not in vain. I know it's much easier to say that, especially, you know, being on this side of the microphone, but I can speak from personal experience. I know Eddie can too. When you are in the middle of it, I actually wrote a post about this called, you know, don't give up in the middle. And when you're far from the finish line, you can't even see it. It's easy to give up in the middle. It's uh, and you see this in races. Most of the toughest races, the highest dropout rate is in the middle of the race. Mm. It's not when you're 10 miles or one mile from the finish line. Yeah. Very few people are giving up a mile from the finish line unless there's like a massive like medical emergency. Injury. There's yeah. an, there's an emergency, you know, but at that point, you're like, I'm almost there. Yep. And I can say this for any goal. I mean, nobody is like throwing all the schooling that they you know, that they did to get their diploma or their graduate degree, like five weeks before graduation yeah, day. Yeah, one more like, semester. Yeah. Like, eh. yeah. It's when they're six semesters out and they're like, yeah. I don't know if I can, I'm, or I've already done four semesters. I don't know if I can do six more. Um, I get that. When there is, you're, you're looking for that glimmer of, of hope. You're looking for that light at the end of the tunnel and you're not seeing it. Keep going. Yeah. And when you are able to push through the toughest, thickest part, that's where you get stronger. That's where character is built. That's where the sh real shaping starts to happen. And the best version of you is revealed. And I'll tell you what, every time you push through something, you're allowing yourself to be better prepared for what's ahead because you don't know what is down that road where you're going to need that strength. Yeah. There you have it. There, there you have you it. There you have it. There you have it. And yet we um, still need to dive into this say, question. We, I don't think we still answered that question yet. <clears throat> but we definitely did a good job of uh, giving a visual or, you know, a good idea of what uh, goes on in your week. Yeah. I mean, I think we left off a lot of stuff too, but... Uh, <laughs> we did. Well, you're like writing another book. You're, you know, you're going out and we're doing reels of you running or going, you know, we're, we're just, there's always... The sponsors. Time, yeah. There's, a lot there's of work with, a lot with sponsors. Of that's always, that's, I feel like that's a foreign concept that's kind of fun to share with people, especially the the younger crowd. So when I get like high school and college kids that that reach out to me that they want to become professional mm -hmm. trail runners and ultra runners. And it's just this world of like, wow. Or even like some of our kids' friends, yeah. you know, like you're sponsored by Nike and they just think it's red carpet and that I'm right. getting paychecks for millions of dollars every month like it's really sweet but i felt the same way when i was a kid like yeah, you have no idea what know. that what that life is like it is a lot of work yeah but it's work that i love and i'm at a point in my career too where i really pick and choose what i do and don't want to do mm -hmm. and 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 call them the shots but that also started with the in the beginning of my career, I said yes to everything, regardless if I was being paid or not. I knew I needed to put in that groundwork in order to get to where I am today. Yeah. So yeah, there is a lot of other things. I feel like every week there's something. And and little, I, I think that, that that is what makes our job so exciting is because we are our own boss. Like we run it the way we want to, but if I need to hop on a plane with a couple days notice... Um, and go do a project like we're doing that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, writing book number two, you know, making appearances and and, and speaking. Yeah, speaking. Here and there. There's people asking to be on their podcast. So that's mm -hmm. you know an hour or two when you do that. Yeah. So I think everything yeah. 
put it all together. There's not a lot of hours left in the day. And then plus you you try to do your best to do recovery type stuff, right? Like getting into oh, two health the lab. two health labs mm-hmm. and and kind of taking care of yourself too, which you know, it's that's you try to fit that into, so it's a lot. Yeah, I'm not 21 anymore. And that is something that I... I'm not 21 anymore either. I remember the other day I woke up and like my ankle still hurts. I got out of bed and I'm like pushed my foot down. I'm like, ow. And it's been hurting. It's like three or four days. I'm like, it really hurt. I don't know what it is. I'm like, I don't know what it is either. I did nothing to like aggravate it or to like, I didn't run. I didn't do anything. I just literally got out of bed. I think it's that embarrassing. at some point you're just going to have to let me train you. No, I don't know if that's the answer, but I'm just, <laughs> I, th- I think I'm just getting old. You're right. Recovery. Sometimes I'll spend three hours. O2 Health Lab is uh, one of my sponsors. They're a local sponsor where I can do cryotherapy, red light therapy. They were very helpful when I had the big hole in the back of my heel after Cocodona 250. They got me into a hyperbaric chamber to help heal that. That took over a month to heal. So they're great. I can get a Normatech boots there. But after these 200 mile races, usually for the first week after I come home, I'll spend anywhere between two and four hours just at the recovery lab. And that is, I don't always like recovery because of the time that it takes. And I'm just like sitting there. I'm Mm -hmm. like, I get a little like antsy. Um, That's just my personality. It doesn't matter if I was a runner or not. Like my personality is I just don't like to sit (laughs) when I want to be doing other things. So yeah, the recovery does... And and sleep too. I mean, people often say, wait, how much sleep do you you get? I am one of those humans that, that... naturally just doesn't need as much sleep as other people. So I'm very grateful for that. And I'm not going to, yeah, I'm not going to kind of hide that. Um, I've spent most of my life through the, I'd say the first 30 years of my life, probably only getting four to five hours of sleep. Yeah. I did have bad sleeping habits as a kid. If you read my book, you can kind of understand why. And those patterns are pretty normal for someone that grew up in a home like I did. But then I it then turned into really stress and just an overwhelming schedule once I got into college. So everyone on my dorm floor knew, yeah, Sally gets three to, I was getting three to four hours a night, my entire college career. I never got more than that. And I was like captain of the soccer team, taking 18 units every semester and working two jobs. Yeah, Is that healthy? No, that definitely is not a brag. I mean, that isn't great for help. I was a kid and trying to figure things out. But when you live more than half your life like that, it is easy to carry it in to your entire life. Marrying you, that was one of the one of the uh, very helpful things uh, that you have been to me is like you you had a full like deep dive on my schedule. Mm-hmm. Like once we were married and you were like, oh my gosh. And there have been many times where you will literally take the laptop off of my lap and and kind of lead me by the hand and say, you need to sleep, yeah. put me into bed. And, and I've gotten a lot better. Yeah. So now I try to sleep six to seven hours a night. But if I only had to, you know, if someone said, hey, like all next week, like, we got to do this project. We're looking at four to five hours of sleep. I would function very well mm-hmm. on that. Mm-hmm. So I do function well on less sleep. 
but I believe it is, you know, better for me, especially as I get older, that I am getting more sleep. So as far as napping goes, that's rare. If I go to the O2 Health Lab, I'll fall asleep on the red light bed. But it's, I'd say when I look at a month, so let's look at all the month of September, I probably took a nap like four times in, in the month of September. So most of my sleeping is at night. When, um, depending on where I am in my training or after a race, I won't set an alarm and I'll just let my body sleep. But for the most part, like I just wake up around 4.30 or 5, just anyway. I, I usually wake up before my alarm. Mm. So listening to my body, that takes great discipline. I believe when when I talk about, you know, training hard, giving your best, that uh, giving my best and in, in training hard is like, okay, recovering hard and really taking care of your body. Because um, I didn't know how to do that growing up. It wasn't modeled for me. I didn't really have anyone speaking into my life saying I needed to take care of myself. And so, it, Eddie, you've been the first person in my life that has worked so hard to get me to take care of myself. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm so grateful for that. And really, that, that really has played into my career. I think... I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing. And um, if you're a new listener, I, I have shared this before, but you know, not being injured for a decade, th- that has, there, there's a lot of taking care of yourself that has to go into yeah. that. And um, being able to accomplish the things that I've wanted to do, especially in the last few years, you know, winning Badwater, um, achieving the Choose Strong project, all those races, double summiting, you know, Mount Whitney, being able to get through these 200s, you know, these 200s, I've, I've had some, some troubles, but I've gotten to the finish line, gotten on the podium and endured a lot of discomfort. I can't do those things without having a base of taking care of myself without being strong. I can't build muscle if I'm always being broken down. I can't Mm. become the best version of me. So yeah, I know that was one of the questions. That's a, also a weekly question. People are like, when do you sleep yeah. so yeah people ask that a lot yeah and and for you listening you might be someone that's like dude i i need 8 to 9 hours there there's not a weakness in that there's nothing wrong with that i think that we're all just just different in that way and we kind of discover what what kind of sleep you need to feel refreshed to feel at your best um, I love all the sleep trackers now too. Like I, I track my sleep. I, I track my recovery score. I track all of that. It's very important to me. So yeah. And I just feel like the better you take care of yourself and a lot of nutrition goes into that too. Like the cleaner I eat, you know, my body isn't in, as inflamed. And so I don't feel as lethargic. And so I sleep better. I mean, all of that is, is connected. And so yeah, fine tuning all the areas of your life to feel energized and refreshed. That's that's probably another reason too. So I should probably piggyback on that. People always ask um, how much I drink. Mm-hmm. Um, people are always curious about alcohol with me. So if someone said today, Sally, you can never drink alcohol again, I wouldn't bat an eye. Alcohol is not important to me. It's never been something that I need. I don't think I've ever said in my life, oh my gosh, I need a drink. Yeah, I grew up with most of my extended family being alcoholics. And I was very aware of that. 
And uh, my parents didn't, there wasn't a problem with my parents drinking. I, I, ne- I actually never saw my mom ever drink. And my dad drank wine occasionally. And then when he would visit his dad, who um, was his stepdad, who was an alcoholic, he would share a beer with him. But that was really, that was the only time I ever saw him drink a beer. So that was never an issue there either. But his, the whole extended family, it was. And I didn't have my first drink till I was 22, I believe. I think it was after, well, we went to Biola University. You sign a contract saying that you won't drink if you go there. Mm-hmm. So it was pretty, a pretty strict uh, private school on that side of things. Obviously, you're not forced to go there, but that's just something you choose. If you go there, you're not drinking. So it was never important to me. But I will, if I go out somewhere, if I'm going out with friends and someone's like, let me buy you a drink, I'll have a drink with them. And I'm like this pretty much with all food, with sugar, with coffee. If if I'm surrounded by people or if I travel to a different country and someone offers me something, I feel confident and this is a very personal thing because not all of us can. I, I have friends that are recovering alcoholics and people that struggle with or even like food relationship and stuff like that. So I say this with a lot of sensitivity. My personal stance on it is like, I'm okay to have a drink and and it might take me like an hour to drink that one drink or have one drink and and be fine. But it's never anything for me personally that I am craving or I'm look, looking forward to. And if I never drank it again for the rest of my life, I would be 100% fine. Now, if you said I could never have donuts again, I would cry. Oh, yeah. I would... That would be actually really hard for me. Tough. I'm being serious. I really love pastries. Um, that's my thing. So alcohol is not my thing. But if we were at a carnival and you're like, hey, Sally, can I get you a beer? And you wanted to share a beer with me, I'd share a beer with you. And uh, I might not be able to drink the whole thing. <laughs> that's the thing, too. Uh, Eddie will finish off uh, my drinks a lot for me. But Eddie, you like to have a glass of wine here and there. And sometimes you and I will share a glass of wine. But I'd say that most of the time he probably only gives me like an inch in a glass. Yeah. And I can barely even finish that usually. So Yeah, it's true. There's the great alcohol question that I've gotten that for years. And I don't know why we just never really answer it. It's a... Uh, it's kind of a, a topic that I feel like I could probably talk about for a long time. But everyone has a different relationship with alcohol. And, and some of it is stemmed from, you know, a lot of people have con- like bad connections with it, yeah. whether they grew up in a home with alcoholic parents or they've struggled with it themselves. And so I do see it as like a sensitive topic. So I always want to talk about it with um, a lot of respect. Mm-hmm. And um, respect for for people that are not only recovering or just have had hardship because of it. So, yeah, I think even at our wedding, we decided not to have it. I mean, we got married when we were kids. I mean, we were like 20, yeah. 22 when we got married. But and we I don't think we could afford it. No. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it, it for us. It just isn't a, a big focus. But I do not judge there is zero judgment for mm-hmm. me. If you if we're around and you're drinking, I that's I zero judgment. And well, I yeah. think too for you, it's it's like you train so hard. You you know you're putting in so many hours of of running and and making sure your body is you know mm-hmm. ready for race day or whenever the race is. You're you know you're recovering, and so 
when you drink, it's, you know, you obviously aren't like helping your body, right? right. You're not like giving it something that it's needing, you know, yeah. to get prepared. And, you know, so you're essentially like in your mind, you're harming kind of the gains or the, you know, the steps forward that you're, you've made. And you, you know, it's not wise in, in your eyes, right? Like mm-hmm. to. Well, I'm a lightweight. I'm just going to put that out well, there. Well, that, that too, but I'm like <laughs> just in Eddie general. laughs about because. I can have like a glass of wine and my head is spinning and I'm dizzy and I'm just like, whoa. Um, same thing with pretty much any any alcohol. It doesn't take a lot uh, for me to feel it. And um, that's always surprised me, but I'm very aware of that. Yeah. And so I don't, I also don't like that feeling of not being in control, giving way to to a drink. And again, this, this has a lot to do with just extended family, seeing the things that I've seen because of alcohol. That's, that's where that comment comes from. It's just, I don't, I don't want to be in that space. And you're right. I dedicate so much to wanting to be the best physically and training hard. And this is my job. And if I go out for a night of drinking and it, causes me to sleep in and be nauseous and my head is pounding. It's like, man, I just like wasted a training day. Yeah. And now or if you do go and train, it's not going to be quality. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's just becomes a point of frustration. So again, zero judgment on, on anyone that drinks. Cause I, you know, I've been on long runs with people, big group, and it's like you, you end and like people want to go grab beers or some yeah. people will have go out for beers the night, like on a Friday night. Cause they're like, dude, carbo loading. And, yeah. um, so everyone has a, a, a different take on it. I, so I if always... there's no judgment, you don't mind if I go grab one real quick? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I know. So when we lived in Bend, it was great because Eddie appreciates um, a good beer. You loved the breweries. And I'm, I love I've going never, to breweries. I've never but... like drank so much in my life in terms of like quantity <laughs> over time yeah. like than, yeah. than I did in Bend because there's so many great breweries oh like gosh, so at good. every corner and, and i love going to breweries well and then everyone I love them and then everyone's the ones like are great. oh have you tried this place oh. or have you gone here have yeah. you done this oh you gotta try this i'm like oh my gosh like yeah. all right i gotta try it i gotta you know yeah so uh, yeah that was i gained some weight too obviously <laughs> <laughs> you can actually drink and be okay i don't think i've ever seen you yeah, but I mean, it was more of just like of too much alcohol. Ever you're going to dinner and you're at the brew, you know, you have you're yeah. trying a different, you know, mm-hmm. beer, or whatever. I just did that like at a lot of restaurants, right? And like I'm just like, over time, you're just like, oh man, yeah, yeah. I've never really experienced that, but yeah, yeah. This is how when when people ask me about how I eat, what diet do you follow? Listen, I I didn't grow up with a lot of options for healthy food. You know, I think at most we had uh, apples and bananas were the main fruit. um, And that was a luxury to have in the house. And then vegetables were like steamed carrots and peas. And Mm -hmm. maybe there was some celery and iceberg lettuce. But I grew up with a, a great appreciation for food. If there was food put in front of me on my plate, I ate it and I ate every single bit that was in front of me. And I think between you and I, Eddie, um, having traveled around the world, a lot of third world countries. We just look at food and diet differently Mm. than maybe North America does. I think it's a luxury 
to have so many different, you know, options for diets. And it's a luxury to have so many different options for food. We have just massive quantities of food. So mm-hmm. I also don't like to, you know, use my platform to say, well, if, if you're not vegan or you're not paleo or you're not vegetarian, then you're doing it wrong. I don't think it's fair to be so condescending of how people eat and to judge people for their food, for their food choices and what works for them. So all diets are welcome here. All kinds of eating is welcome here. And for me, the way that I eat is what is the food that's going to fuel me to get up that mountain as strong as I can. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love looking at food as fuel. I'm grateful for the food that's provided me. I'm grateful that I live in a place in the world where I can literally walk out my front door and there is literally tons and tons of food all around me. And if I want to go the vegan route, I can go the vegan route. I can try all different types of of ethnic foods, a variety of fruits and vegetables and grains, and um, there's farmers markets around, and I can buy organic and and grass fed, and um, you know all all the things are offered to me. I'm very grateful for that. So I do not adhere to one type of diet. One of the things that I wanted to make sure, especially as as our brand like started growing, was I don't want to be Sally. Oh, Sally eats this way, mm-hmm. and I think there's a lot of people out there that are, like that's what they're known for is like how they eat. Yeah, and I just want to be more known for our brand to be known for more than how we eat. Yeah. Um. And and I think the bottom line here is that I'm grateful for food. Food is fuel. Food should not shame you. It shouldn't make you feel bad about yourself. Um, you know, I see some things like guilt-free this. I'm like, no, you shouldn't feel guilty for eating. And I think that when you see food as fuel, it's easier to make choices for things that are going to make you feel your best. And so what is going to make you feel your best? And I and there's even things too. Are three donuts going to help me get up the mountain and feel my best? No, no. they're not. And so maybe I'm going to save that for after a race because I'm not doing any training for the next couple days. But when it's time to get back into training, I'm like, I'm probably not going to eat as many donuts, but I'm not going to eat a donut and feel ashamed either. And then at the same time, there have been seasons in my life, especially when I was pregnant, I gained so much weight with both my kids. I think Mackenzie, I gained the most. I think I gained like 60 pounds with Mackenzie. Wow. Yeah. Um, I don't remember. <laughs> that's a good answer. I know. Yeah. Good answer. <laughs> but when I was pregnant with her, I mean, it was very easy to gain weight because I ate everything in sight. Mm. And it was like a lot of fast food, a ton of sugar and carbs. I craved so much sugar and carbs. With her. And with Isaiah, I came, I craved a lot of protein and fat with Isaiah. It was really interesting. But through my journey, you know, of having kids and my body has, has changed shape so many different times. And, you know, both my kids were emergency C-sections. That was essentially stomach surgery, you know, having to bounce back from, from that, from gaining all that weight and then having stomach surgery in a traumatic way to get my children out. I mean, I've experienced all the ups and downs of a body that is changing, of having a lot of weight on my body and being uncomfortable, of healing from, you know, these big scars, but also learning like, yeah, I probably don't feel my best when I'm eating a ton of fast food and a ton of sugar. 
but then also learning how to communicate that because I was running a fitness and running business too when I was pregnant with Isaiah, especially. I was a little bit healthier when I when I had Isaiah. But I've learned over the years just how to communicate food with people. And I think that on one hand, I'm always very aware that for a lot of people, food is their friend and there's an emotional connection and a comfort that comes with food. I mean, there's a reason why comfort food, that whole phrase like exists. Like, you know, my kids both know, oh, when it rains, mommy cooks or bakes. I usually like to bake whenever it rains. Um, so yeah, there's like that that comfort that that comes with it. Or we use food as as a reward. And um, so food can be a very, very sensitive subject. But here, um, and for me personally, I don't like to use it as a way to make other people feel bad or to dictate, you know, success is you have to eat the way that I eat. I love food. I appreciate food. And when it comes to personal training, everyday living, uh, food is fuel. And I, I want it to fuel all my adventures in my life in the, in the strongest way. So speaking of food, I had a, a poor food decision last night. I, <laughs> I had a. Uh, this is because I wasn't home. I had a cookies and cream. You were home. I had a cookies and cream drumstick at like eleven oh, p.m. Eleven p.m. Yeah, that was not not a good good move. I think I said something to you as I was going up the stairs. I was probably ignoring you. Mm-hmm. Tasted good, but yeah, probably not a great choice. Hands up if you love drumsticks. That is one of Eddie's favorite desserts uh, in the in the good. freezer section at the grocery store. But when we were first married, it was Oreos and Dr. Pepper oh and Doritos. Gosh. It was so like the bad. classic bachelor college kid because so we were bad. kids when we got married. But my grocery cart was often filled weekly. You would have like five Dr. Peppers in a day sometimes. So it's embarrassing. <laughs> it's not. It is. It's not. We were kids. I mean, this is why I like this topic too, because I think sometimes when we talk about food and we're, we're talking to people that, you know, for me, like fitness is a big deal to me and training and being strong. You, you, you think that, oh, you just like grew up that way and you're super strict and, and it's been easy for you for, you know, your whole life. And it's like, no, it Mm -hmm. hasn't. Like (laughs) I've been through all of the seasons of shape sizes and just learning about nutrition. I didn't know a a lot about nutrition when I graduated from college. I mean, it was just that I needed to eat each day and Taco Bell was the cheapest thing on the menu. <laughs> so we're, we're going Taco Bell and... Yeah, like, wait, <laughs> I can get all of that food at Carl's Jr. for like six bucks? Yeah. Let's go there. Yeah. <laughs> Why would I go to Jamba Juice and pay $6 for a 12-ounce, like, full fruit smoothie? Seriously. Like, I can get more food at Taco Bell. So, so yeah, bad. we're we are always a work in progress, but... um. I think having a lot of grace in this area, there's so much that we can learn and, and food is, I mean, I've, I, for a while when I was a trainer with, uh, when I was running my own fitness business, I actually did some experimenting for one year. Um, this was back like in 2008, 2009. And I tried, I remember I, I tried veganism like four times in my life and I tried it every which way. And I never, ever felt good on it. I just never felt like strong, full power on it. It didn't work for me. But I had a great chat with Hella because Hella Sadibe, if you guys follow him, he's awesome. I've had him on the podcast. I was at Western States with him. He's full vegan and he is so strong. Mm. He's so fit, so healthy, incredible runner. And he and his his partner, Lexi, they they just do it right. Yeah. And when I stayed with them at, for Western States, I mean, the stuff that she made, so delicious. Like, I love going to vegan cafes and I love vegan food. I love 
plants. I'd say I eat a lot of fruits and vegetables throughout the day, but I remember I tried raw. Remember I did raw eating for like three weeks. I did juicing. I remember one time I did like this juice, like fast, all fresh foods for a couple weeks and just seeing the effects of everything. We, I think you and I tried paleo a couple times together. What was the one where it was just like, you're always grilling burgers. (laughs) Me, Janelle and I, when Atkins came out, (laughs) that was like, I don't even know if, oh yeah, it was like our first year married. Yeah, that was so That was over 20 years ago. Those listening, do you guys remember the Atkins diet? Me and my sister, we did that together and it was terrible because all I did was grill burgers Burgers, and eat blocks of cream cheese and she and I- What was the thing? Like no carbs or something? It was no carbs. And do you remember all the sugar-free stuff that I bought? I don't remember. Janelle I and I, the smell of all we the bought so much sugar-free candy and sugar-free sweets. And if you- It's not even worth eating. That's gross. It isn't because the ingredient in that makes you so gassy. Oh, yeah. Like I remember I just had gas and cramping all the time on that. Like I felt <laughs> terrible on that. And Plus, I was it like, it's going to- Yeah. This is going to get me in shape. No. Yeah. You name it. I've I've probably experimented or tried, tried it. it. Yeah. When I was when I was training, it was it was experiments. I wanted to be able to talk more candidly with people and really understand why people are doing this or how they felt. I actually felt really good on the raw food diet. I really yeah. love that. And at times we'll incorporate it into my year. Like sometimes I'll just like I'm just going to eat raw for 7 days. It's a sometimes it just feels like a good reset. Moreover for mental clarity. It is hard to do for the long term though. And and especially having a family. I was like, I was like, unless you're just going to eat like nuts and bananas for every meal, like really preparing a raw food, full nutrition based meal, um, became a little bit, uh, difficult, but Mm -hmm. I did feel, I did feel good on it when, when I was doing that. So I feel like the American diet, a lot of it is filled with processed food, uh, a lot of sugar, sugar yeah. in places that you don't even need it, and a lot of ingredients that are unidentifiable. That yep. th- Those are actually the things that harm us the most when we just can't really identify the food. And what I've learned in the most simplest form is when you make your own food and when it's as closest to the source as possible, you're just going to feel better. Yeah, yep. And your body starts to change just from that. Like, outside of every diet that's usually what the basis is yeah you're eating real food so true you're eliminating processed food lessening sugar or eliminating sugar altogether when you do that and then load up on water it's crazy what happens so i know that um being in the fitness and diet industry for a very long time you start to learn that a lot of this is marketing yeah and everyone's kind of saying it's not that complicated yeah the new diets come out every year. It's like the new latest diet, cutting edge. I mean, even magazines forever. I mean, you stand in in the grocery store section and it's like, um, there's this one magazine. They always have like lose nine pounds in three days. Like every other <laughs> week is yeah. it, there's a magazine saying that. And every every good, wholesome nutrition plan is just gonna have you eating at the source. Yeah. Eating at the source. So whether you you eat meat or not, or you're a vegan or not, like if you want to be healthy and feel your best, like just eat real food, make your own food, eliminate the stuff that doesn't make sense to your body, um, that doesn't have a, a food base. If it was made in a lab, you know, like Mackenzie loves cheese at crackers, for example. Yeah. And one day I did this little experiment for her, and and you know, and it's like, oh, to be a teenager again, you can eat all that stuff and mm-hmm. still run at like four minute pace or whatever. Like yeah. she's so freaking fast, so she loves her cheese it but I took the Cheez-Its and I mashed them up into a powder and I thought you know if I 
mash this up into a powder, you can't tell what it is. No. You know, like it's what it, it's it's a pile of orange Chemicals, dust. Yeah. And you can do that. You can take Pringles and do that. You can take Oreos and all of that turns into dust. Yeah. What's its source? But let's take a banana and mash that up. Let's take a potato, mash it up. You can tell exactly what that is by looking at it and it's it taste amazing but none of that turns to dust right. like when you're looking at processed stuff you're like this was this was made and shaped in a science lab so yeah that's a really easy way to just start eating better is like you know just start eating from the source what's that one is it like a documentary or whatever when they had like that uh mcdonald's like cheeseburger in a case size me was oh, it, remember it was like in a case, it and it's like documentary supersize me. Like that was thirty a years later, it still looks the same, and it's so weird. That is floating around on the internet somewhere. That's so gross. the McDonald's hamburger. Yeah, that's not real food. When I was in high school, I had a teammate. This is when I was a freshman. Her dad owned a couple Taco Bells, and she's like, "I want to let you guys know that everything is dehydrated that comes into Taco Bell, and then you puff it up in boiling water." And I was like, "Please don't tell me that because I, I love Taco Bell." Like it was so disappointing to hear how the food was prepared. I don't know if it still is prepared that way. There's no bash on Taco Bell. I mean, it was the first thing I ate after I finished Coca Dona. True, <laughs> not just one. You had quite a few tacos. I had quite a few tacos. I think after Tahoe we did too. Yeah, we did. After Tahoe we went to Taco Bell. It was Taco Bell and Snickers bars. I don't know why. Like it was like the junkiest Weird. junk that I was that I was craving. Probably because it's like aid station food. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I still refuse. I probably healthier. I still refuse to believe that the Jack and Box taco is not like healthy for me. Yeah, I refuse. I know I you refuse. had a lot of years of eating. Jack in the box. I don't know what they put in those, those things. Greasy. My gosh. And no matter how many times you are literally pinching running to the <laughs> bathroom because of those Taco Bell tacos. Jack in the box. Jack in the box tacos. You still eat them. So Something weird going on. We have gotten way off topic for this podcast. Say. Are we still going to call it? I don't think we can still call it what, what we were going to. I yeah. think that we just need to go past. Let's call this one mishmash. <laughs> <laughs> gibberish <laughs> it hasn't been gibberish though uh, i think there's little pieces in here that people will relate to and appreciate because we yeah. we like to keep it real we do we, we do. like to keep it real we're not trying to impress anyone definitely we're not. not trying to tell people that we know all the facts and have all the uh have all of the latest scientific research out here but we're learning right alongside you and some of these things we're talking about today are they really come down to like the most popular questions that people ask. So we've covered yeah. nutrition. We've covered a real everyday life balancing that and just sharing kind of our journey in, in those things and yeah. where there is grace and all of that. We yeah. always want our listeners to understand how important it is that you own your own story and you learn for yourself along the way. That's the best way that we learn is by you go mm. out and you try, you go out and you experiment. In fact, this is one of the most common things I would tell my athletes when I was training them every time they hit the long run for the weekend, 
This is where you practice everything. You practice your nutrition. You practice your gear. You might have a really great long run. It might be a terrible long run. And it was. It's how it was. It was like 50% of the time, my athletes would come back and be like, it was amazing. The other half of the time, they're like, oh my gosh, like I didn't bring enough nutrition or my stomach hurt really bad or like, you know, I was, I felt really heavy running. My legs were so tired. And I loved that. I'm like, that's what the long run is for. That's where you're going to learn. And you're going to take all those things that you learn. And when you're on race day, you're going to remember those things. Mm -hmm. And you're going to be that much better equipped. And so I think it's the same when it comes to these topics that we've talked about. You know, you're not going to have perfect balance when you're trying to figure out a schedule and you've got four kids running around the house and you're working a 50 hour a week career and you're you're trying to be the best parent you can be for our high school and, and college age listeners. Yeah, it gets busy doing that homework and you're you're training for sports and maybe you also have a job and you know, you're, you're feeling a little overwhelmed, like navigating life like there is no perfect, smooth path that you're looking for. You're just looking at, at learning and growing as best you can. And sometimes the learning part is really difficult. It's uh, it's not our favorite part, but you're going to use all of it. But you yeah. have to keep moving forward. You have to keep chipping away and learning what works best for you. And um yeah. Well, I, I got a question for you that I want to answer myself, though. Okay, so you're going to open up. I'm going to ask you a question. We have hundreds of questions from our community, and I think we answered a lot of them. We, we covered yeah. alcohol. We covered how much sleep I get a night. We covered um, a real-life, everyday training for an ultra. So I, I think we're doing a good job so far. Yeah. So this question, it says, if you weren't doing what you do, what profession would you want to do or be? I'm going to answer. I'm going to answer. What you're going to say. (laughs) Sally would be (laughs) a weather forecaster or a (laughs) meteorologist. (laughs) Or a mathematician. No, not a mathematician. I love you, doing math when I race th- to the no. point where I drive my crew and pacers. No, no. Here's the here's crazy. the difference though. You like doing math during your race, but that doesn't mean you're good at it. Or <laughs> I'm just saying, like this Easy. as a weather forecaster, you speak as if you are all knowing and you <laughs> have this nailed down as an expert. <laughs> Sally is like notorious for <laughs> Mega Doppler right here. Yeah, she's Mega Doppler Sally McCray. Like, hey, have you seen the weather over at uh, Flagstaff? <laughs> no, I haven't. Oh, yeah, it's, it fluctuates within, uh, you know, 20, 20 degrees at the morning all the way to like, <laughs> yeah, so I think that would be your... Uh... It's so important. And especially now that Mackenzie is looking to live in a different state, I think that studying the weather is so important. Like we just went up to to Eugene. But we went up at the most beautiful time of the year. What people don't understand. Uh-oh, here and it goes. I, here, <laughs> See? This is exactly get, my point. They literally get like 67 sunny days a year and 157 days <gasps> with sun. So that means that they could wake up maybe to sun, but then the rest of the day it could be rainy. Eugene is a gray, rainy town. Now we lived in Bend and people think that Bend is the same as Eugene, which it's not. Bend is one of the sunniest parts of of all of Oregon. And that was why I was okay with moving there because I don't like living in gray places. And so I had that discussion with Mackenzie. I go, are you okay with that? If you are from Southern California, you are totally gelling with me right now. It is more difficult for people who've grown up 
with 325 days of true sunny, happy days a year, and then to move somewhere that gets 67 days of sun. Like that's a big, drastic jump. There's nothing wrong with that. But I'm just saying you actually have to take that into account when you are looking to create your new home. So I do a lot of research on weather. You'd be like, you're you're one of those (laughs) girls that I can like listen on my morning commute to like (laughs) AM talk radio and like, all right, we got on the fives. Let's go to the weather. And like you jump on. And I jump on and I'm just like all in. You'd be so good at that. And I'm making weather super exciting. (laughs) Yeah. So yes, that might be, that may have been meteorologist Sally McRae. Also, a singer. I mean, that, well, yeah, how many goes times have saying. I graced our community that goes without with saying. my beautiful voice? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I uh, have the power to edit this, so <laughs> I probably won't make the final cut. <laughs> but for real, I, I do want to answer that. What? Oh, well, I oh, think the profession? you should answer it too. I just I did. Think both, no, you. Oh, for, for me? yourself. I'd be a fired like jet pilot easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fighter jet, but also you—you you kind of were curious about being like a fireman and policeman, 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 like a little kid. No, you—you you actually were were interested in being a police officer. There was a time in your life. I think life. so. Yeah. Yeah. Police officer, and, and I was also wanted to be a trash truck driver too. So, what four year old doesn't? <laughs> what four year old doesn't? Right. I now j- we're getting way off topic. I, but. <laughs> if I was not a professional ultra runner. I do like this question. What else would I be doing? Well, I have had a lot of jobs in my life. So when I was a little girl, outside of wanting to be a professional athlete, I wanted to be an aerobics instructor and I wanted to be a teacher. Okay, there was also a part of me that also wanted to be a nun. I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> I was obsessed with sound and music. And... Uh, <laughs> I don't know why that just like was the glamorous thing. There was times in my life where I thought I was never going to get married and have kids. I wanted to move to the other side of the world and just work in an orphanage. Like that was like, I really had a strong passion for that, which is still in me today. We just, we now care for orphans in a different way. way. Yeah. yeah. Which I don't know if a lot of our listeners know this, but any anything that we make in our business, a portion of it goes to three different organizations that we that we support who care for orphan children and, and those in impoverished areas in need. So um, that has always been at the core of my heart. But all else aside, I did achieve that dream of running my own fitness business. I was a freshman English teacher for a few years. And there's a side of me, though, that even as an adult, I've thought, oh, what else? What else? What are some other things that I would just love to be doing with my time? So, you know, I've thought, well, if I wasn't running, I would be writing full time and speaking like those two things. I just I love doing those things. But I'm already I've already incorporated that into into each year. But I do have a love for being in the kitchen. I love that idea of, you know, one day maybe I'll have a big kitchen and I can make recipes and, you know, spend three hours like cooking up an amazing dinner. For me, that sounds really therapeutic. I see food as like an art too. And it's like such, I I love serving people. I love having gatherings in our home and just serving food. Like I think 
most nights of the week when I make dinner, I make a big cachouterie board and I like love being creative with the cachouterie board. And I like to put that out and it brings the kids into the kitchen while we're making dinner and we have a chat. And so food is community to me. And so, yeah, maybe later down the road, that's, that's what I'll do. I'll spend more time in the kitchen. I also love to sew. So in high school, I did take some sewing classes. So I do know how to sew a little bit. And even I know how to knit rugs. So I've, mm. I've knit some rugs in my life as well. So there's, but all these things are like, they're, well, that's they're perfect because really I literally have a hole in my sweats <laughs> that you could sew up for me. <laughs> yeah. But those things right now, they just do not fit into the daily schedule. Yeah. But I will, I will dabble in that stuff in my off season. So I do bake quite a bit yeah. and cook quite a bit like in November, December. Part of it is just like the holiday season and it's cooler. And if we get rainy days, like I just love doing that. You know, that's just the time of year that it's, it's really fun. So. All right. Well, do you want to do one more like fun one? Yeah, let's it's hear a quick it. One. Okay. What is your go-to hype song? Like right now, if you had to choose your hype song, <laughs> what song is that? Oh, man. What's yours? What's your go-to I hype never, song? I never need to be hyped up, so I don't even have one. I like, like, what if you're, you're like getting I'm, to the start line? You're like, dude, I need to listen to this. I'm going to pull up my Spotify right now because I, I consider myself a music junkie. As in, I grew up with music long line of professional musicians in my family. Okay. And I have an appreciation for every genre of music. Not so big like on heavy metal. That's probably like most heavy metal I'm not super into, but I love jazz. I love classical. I love soundtrack music. Like Tony Anderson is amazing and it's funny. I love to run to soundtrack music sometimes. Sometimes that's my hype music. But then sometimes I like to throw it back. And I'll listen to like 80s and 90s stuff or yeah. rap. <laughs> but All right, right so now, if you're picking one right now today, one song, not one genre, not one like artist. You're talking one song. One song. What are, are you, you asking this with? question? No, this Eddie. Was, you know I can never narrow things down to one song. This was nails and trails from Instagram. Yeah, that that's really difficult for me. Let's see, what's the song that comes on and I'm just like stoked, like let's pick up the pace for this one. I have a a, a playlist in my Spotify right now. It's called Tempo. And this is why it's, it's, it's difficult to pick one song because when you look at the genre of all the songs in this playlist, that all of these pump me up, you're like, how do those even match? So like, I love You Get What You Give by New Radicals. I love that song. It gets me so pumped up. It makes me so happy. It's such like an upbeat song. The words are awesome. But I also love Motivated by NF. And then I also like Kendrick Lamar, All the Stars, or Summertime Friends with okay, the Chainsmokers. So See, Superstar not, by Lupe Fiasco and Matthew Santos. <laughs> or what about this one? I don't know why. Like what? Uh, it takes two by Rob Bass and DJ Easy oh, Rock. That's money. Oh my that's gosh, it's so good. I mean, come on now. Who does not? Who does not like this song? I mean, when you hear this come on, it takes you back. It takes you back. You wanna you wanna be in the kitchen dancing in your socks right here, right? Here we go. Yeah, it's a good one. Right? It's a good one, yeah. Here we go. 
right. When did that song came out? I mean, you and I were probably like nine years old when that came out. That's that is thrown that way back. Yeah. What about you? Do you have one number one hype song? I got this feeling with Justin Timberlake. I don't know. That's like the go to. Okay, that drives our kids insane. (laughs) You put that on so much in the car. It's a good to drive us all crazy. It's a great song. You've probably played that song like 648 times just in the last year. Because it's a great song. And you sing it. My boy Timberlake. (laughs) Can't go wrong. Can't go wrong. All right. I think we should wrap this up. Should we though? Because I feel like there's some people that are still out for their run or they're still sitting in traffic on their way home. And they're like, no, Eddie and Sally, wait, like we still want to sit at the table with you with our cup of coffee. Here's the thing. I am sitting with, with a cup of coffee. I also have a bottle of strong greens in here. BPN's strong greens. I try to drink this every single day. We have a YouTube channel. I don't think all of our listeners know that. Eddie has created a True Strong podcast YouTube. Please go and subscribe. Feel free to comment on any of the episodes. If you feel like watching us have this little conversation and you just want to join us, we would love to see you. Yes. Hello. So um, go ahead and subscribe to that YouTube channel. Eddie puts a lot of work into that. You got the 80s ponytail. I got the 80s ponytail and you would not know that with my um, pink scrunchie. With my pink scrunchie unless you could see this or my yellow coffee mug. But... I will say, Eddie James McRae, the hat that you're wearing is fire. And I just want to remind our listeners, if you want the Choose Strong Nike Trail hat, please make sure that you follow, tag a friend in our Instagram to be entered into that. We are giving away 10 hats and we will be picking those 10 people at the end of our seven-day stretch. So once this podcast releases... Uh, You'll see the date on here. So if you're listening to this beyond October 15th, 16th or whatever, oh man, you know what? In seven days from when this releases, I might be in the middle of the Moab 240 race, but but we'll say by October 20th. How about that? By October 20th, Eddie is going to pick 10 people um, to receive this hat. And yes, we will do it again. And yes, this hat eventually will be on sale. We're hoping for the holidays, but we love giving it away. We appreciate you guys. And Eddie, is there anything else you want to add? Oh yeah. If you're looking to support our work, um, I know I say this every single time. Thank you so much for being in the app. Thank you for buying the book. The best way to support our work to help us to continue to put out content, whether it's YouTube documentary films, we are going to be starting a new YouTube series here pretty soon. All that stuff that supports us is because of the app. So we have a link in the show notes. If you click on that, you can join the app. It is, if you, if you buy the year, it's $99 a year, which comes out to about $8 and 33 cents a month. So roughly kind of what a latte costs right now. Pretty much. (laughs) Buy me a latte guys. Come on. Um, Or a gallon of gas in California. (laughs) Dude, right? Gas is so, it's almost $7 here right now. It is, it's unreal. Or you can get the app for $14.99 a month. So you either pay monthly or by the year, but we really appreciate you guys being in the app. There's a lot of amazing content in there that we put out every single week. I will be uploading another work workout this week. We just got done um, shooting for that a couple days ago. So that new um, workout will be uploaded. I had a few people ask Sally, when are the training 
plans going to drop. The training plans will be dropping in November and December. So we have a half marathon, a marathon, and then we're looking at 50 miler and then the 100 miler will be released in 2024. So get in the app because all of those are a part of you being in there and all that stuff lives in there forever. So you can use those training plans over and over again. There is a 50K training plan in there currently, which I do know that some people are using for their 50 mile races. But the feedback we've gotten on the 50 mile training plan is that people feel very strong in the race. We've seen so many PRs um, that have been set. And yeah, a lot of people are really happy with that. So you're getting some good running and you're getting strength training. And I, I show you how to combine the two. And then you get some very personalized uh, little coaching videos from me too. I think that's a little perk that people don't realize is I get into those training plans and a few times during your your coaching, you'll open up the app and you'll see a five minute video from me where I'm just talking to you about your training and where you're at. Aside from that, the app is broken up into so many different categories. So I have like a strong knees category, a mobility category, glutes and legs and um, running workouts and quick workouts where if you only have like five to 15 minutes to train, I have workouts for you that you can do right there in your home. And to answer another common question, you do not need special equipment and you do not need a pass to the gym. This is why I created the app because it's something that you can do right there around your kiddos. If you got little ones at home and you can't get away to the gym, for the most part, at most, what you're going to need are a pair of dumbbells and one of those looped resistance bands. So the goal is to create something that fits in the palm of your hand right there in your phone that you can take with you when you are traveling, if you're on a business trip or on vacation, but also something, gosh, I met a group of girls in Mammoth. And if you're listening right now, I'm so happy that you shared this with me, but there was a group of, of running friends in Mammoth when I was at the Mammoth Trail Fest. And they came up to me and they said, Sally, your app got us through the winter here in Mammoth because they had an intense winter. That's cool. And they would meet at one of the girls' houses and they would do my workouts in the garage together. So That's it was just awesome. really awesome because there's all, there's varying uh, durations to the workout. So some of the workouts are only eight minutes, but then there's other ones that are like 60 minutes. Um, I have some treadmill workouts in there too, just to kind of spice things up. Um, and I think there's like one or two, if, if you do go to the gym, there's a couple things in there that you can do at the gym, but for the most part, you can do these, um, right at home. So and then there's a mental toughness uh, category as well. Some mental training for you as you look to to work on that, not only in races, but in your everyday life. So check those things out. Get in the app. Get in our Facebook community. If you have my book, I would so appreciate a review on Amazon. A positive one, please. <laughs> no, we've gotten the most incredible feedback. In, in fact, we've been amazed at, at the ratings and the nice comments that people have written. So thank you from the bottom of my heart for the feedback on the book. Thank you for sharing it um, through social media. Keep sharing all the stuff that we do. Um, this just encourages us to put out more content. But we are going to wrap it up now because how long has this podcast been now? Been two hours. A solid two hours. Thank you for spending time with us, you guys. Yeah, thanks. Thank you wherever you are, at the gym, on your run, making dinner, whatever it is that you're doing, know that um, we appreciate you, we love you, and we hope that you keep choosing strong in all that you do. 